Well, it turns out Larry didn't have a case, and we again are proven wrong, or at least partially wrong. Ballet Sports continues to expand, and our salute to one of the master creative people in the radio business ever. The guy on the other side of this screen is my co-host, Keith Samuels, and I'm Jackson Weaver. And for Tuesday, July 20th, this is Media Insultant. Welcome to Media Insultant. Keith and I get together twice a week and we offer our opinions and ideas about some of the dynamic stories in the media space. And while we're partial to radio, admittedly, and TV to a degree, we also cover cable and digital and print and just about anything that has to do with media, all part of that media landscape. And Keith, a couple of weeks ago, when Larry Wilson, the founder of Alpha Media, filed a petition to deny against Alpha with the FCC, we were smart. We thought he had a decent case. However, <laughs> it's not the first time, but it may be the most visible time. We were just dead wrong. The FCC has ruled against Larry Wilson's appeal for denial of the license transfer. Uh, what were we thinking? Well, we, we were looking at what we thought were the very simple and obvious facts of the case is that these guys transferred ownership of these stations without the board approvals that they were required to have before they could do that, and, and, and ended up going behind Larry's back to sell, admittedly, probably the most valuable properties in the, in the entire Alpha Media chain, and that is the, the stations down in West Palm Beach. And we thought the FCC would go, yeah, that happened. Look at that. That happened. So I'm, I'm gonna deny, we're going to deny that transfer. They completely skirted the issue and just said, well, you don't have standing with us to, to say to file that. And frankly, it's up to the bankruptcy court. So they, you know, this is the, you know, this legal tennis match. They just batted the ball back to the bankruptcy court where uh, the guys that run Alpha, Bob Profit and the investors, uh, you know, have already, you know, gone way down the road. And we thought the, we thought the lifeline, the FCC lifeline was going to make a lot of sense because he had the facts laid out, but Apparently, the FCC didn't want to play in this game. Yeah, and that's where we were wrong. But where we were right is we also said the FCC is not going to care a bit about the loss of your equity. The FCC doesn't care about any right. of those issues in terms of stock transference or any of the other, if you will, SEC kinds of issues they brought up, that Larry brought up with the FCC. Because at the end of the day, the FCC said, that all is a state court adjudication. We're not going there. So they really didn't answer the core issue about transfer of control because they claimed that Larry didn't have standing to even be in front of the FCC with his complaint. Tough break. What My takeaway on this is, <laughs> boy, you know, I feel bad for Larry. He, he put a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of heart into that radio group. And as uh, you so aptly put it the other day, he screwed. <laughs> Yep, but the equity uh, players are coming along, and uh, they're they're making up the difference. Although, uh, also, you know, they end up in a with a I wouldn't call it a dying group, but certainly a struggling group because, as you said, their big cash cow is gone, and now their focus is going to be on all these smaller markets. I think their biggest market now then is going to be Portland, in terms of size and cash. Yeah, and, and, yes, and Portland's well run by Lisa Decker, and if they don't they don't screw that up and mess with Lisa too much, you know, they'll cruise along there. They're 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 a solid entity there, but you know, it's it's uh, it's not the best timing 
to be coming out of a reorganization, bankruptcy, all these kinds of things. They've paid millions in fees to get this done. They're coming out on the other side. They're healthier than ever. We're really excited about the next chapter of Alpha Media. Yeah, well, the next chapter is expenses are slashed to the bone. They've got, uh, you know, they've got an investment group behind them that's going to be demanding revenue growth in a time when no one is growing revenue, or they're growing revenue versus last year, but they're not growing revenue versus 2019. In fact, they're still way below that. You know, while life looks to be like, oh, oh it's all going to be, you know, peaches and cream all the way, you know, going forward, it's not. It's going to, this is going to, the, uh, the rubber is going to have to meet the road really fast to, uh, to get them through the next, the next phase, and that's, uh, that's saving this company. And uh, if they, then they, you know, otherwise they, they're going to have to liquidate it and sell it to somebody at uh, rock bottom well, prices. That, that is the problem. The problem is the investors are not players in the business. The investors are just that. They're investors. And they got hung up in this deal and they, you know, they had to put a little bit more money into it. At the end of the day, they aren't in the business to run it. They're in the business to get this thing put back together at a discounted price and sell it. But who's going to buy it? Mm-hmm. You know, we can probably take right. that up again in another edition of Media Insultant. Who's going to buy Alpha if they have to go down? Yeah, Ed Stoltz. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right, this is uh, pro volleyball, which I don't pay much attention to. Uh, Apparently, Ballet's the RSN for Sinclair, has purchased a pro volleyball league. I don't know anything about this. This is your baby. You, You tell me what's going on here. Well, actually, you know, Sinclair didn't buy it. Actually, Bally's bought it. The casino oh, group is okay, buying Okay, not Bally's Sports, okay. not, the, not the Sinclair RSN. But. Not, not the RSN. You know, if you're Bally's, you know, the, the gambling conglomerate that is Bally's, and you're buying a volleyball league, the AVP, the Association of Volleyball Professionals, um, uh, what are you going to do with that content? You know, uh, well, you're going to... Call your buddies over at Sinclair and go, hi, you know, we're spending millions a year to put our name on your, on your regional sports network. We've got beach volleyball for you, buddies. And they're going to go, great, we're going to clear that. And they will. So, you know, it's kind of one of these things where it's probably easier and cheaper to buy a sports league like this buy the content than to keep paying rights fees to some, you know, guys down in Redondo Beach who love beach volleyball. But it's interesting. The AVP is a great, it's a wonderful league. It's a great sport. Everybody loves beach volleyball. You know, the women love watching the half-naked guys play volleyball on the beach. <laughs> the guys love watching the almost totally naked girls playing beach volleyball on the beach. It's a, it's a, it's a great television sport. It's a fun on-location sport because they set up these stadiums, these temporary stadiums, on, on the beach, and you know, or they create a beach. They sometimes they go to towns that have no beach, and they create a beach, and everybody thinks they're at the beach in Milwaukee or something. And it's they have a lot of fun. But the AVP has had financial difficulties for years, and you know, decades. And so different guys have bought it. Hopefully, Bally's purchasing it will provide some stability for it. Their connection to the Sinclair and the art and the regional sports networks will love the content. Right. Right. And and now it's Bally's yep. content. Yep. So. Sinclair doesn't have to pay Bally's for it. Bally's will probably go out and sell the inventory and the sponsorships for the league. RSN, you know, the RSNs will sell the the uh, local avails and spots, you know, in the, in the matches. And it, it it's it's probably not a bad bad marriage right there. So they they're buying up some content. No, I think it's really good, and I think you, you hit something on the head. The RSNs are going to be looking for content, and there's only so much they have the rights to, and they got twenty four seven to fill. 
And, frankly, your description of the scantily clad players in the game not only is good TV fodder, but now that you mention it, maybe I should pay more attention <laughs> to to volleyball. <laughs> well, you know, and they'll have, you know, they'll have beach volleyball. They'll have this volleyball sport in uh, both indoors that, you know, what is it, uh, eight players aside? Is it on regular volleyball or is it nine? I forget how many players, nine players in volleyball indoors. They'll have the big teams, but then they'll also have beach volleyball in the Olympics. So we're coming into the Olympics beginning on Friday and, and it's good. It's a nice way to, to take off from the Olympics and then to follow these athletes as they return to the AVP circuit uh, here in North America. So yeah, it's probably good timing for Bally's to, to jump in and take this over. And yes, you should pay attention. And we're going to actually have to pay a lot of attention also to the Olympics. This is really getting to be kind of touch and go. And I know that NBC has got, I think they paid over a billion dollars for the rights for it. Uh, maybe they'll do a fine with an audience. I, I don't know. It's difficult for me to imagine those events taking place without audience. But we'll keep an eye on it. And we'll talk about that next week after the first couple of days of of the Olympics. We'll, we'll opine uh, from our easy chair where we don't have to work up a sweat on anything. Well, I'm, I'm an Olympics, I'm an Olympics geek. I love the Olympics. I love the opening ceremonies. I love it when our guys and gals win. I love listening to the national anthem and all that, but you're right. There's not going to be anybody there. So when they walk into the, you know, opening ceremonies to an empty stadium and everybody's going to look at this, go, that's so 18 months yeah. ago. That's so way last year. What the heck's going on? What's what's the deal here? I'm not. I'm, uh, no, this reminds me of you know COVID at its peak. I, uh. So I think they're gonna have. I'm gonna have huge uh, viewership problems. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a, a ratings tank. And I don't. You know, and it's kind of an off year. It should have been last year. Now we've got it this year. And is anybody really into it? And uh, I guess other than Simone Biles, who's this? Who is the absolute? unbelievable gymnast i I don't know who else we're gonna like really root for i i I liken it to walking into your very favorite romantic restaurant and it's completely empty you know how much fun is that and it doesn't doesn't work yeah we'll see we'll see you 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 know you well as i said we'll see okay let's move on here we we want to honor chuck blore who truly is a radio legend and chuck started out as a radio disc jockey got fired, and had a year-and-a-half contract period where he couldn't go to work, a no-compete period. What did he do then? (laughs) Well, he uh, he started writing commercials. And, um, uh, in fact, this was at KFWB, and um, he was actually the program director, uh, and that's when he got fired. I I forget the circumstances on it, but Chuck Bloor was one of the legendary program directors, uh, top 40 DJ program director guys back in the late 50s, okay? So, okay, boomers, here's the, you know, you, you got, you know only boomers out there would have ever heard of Chuck, and only people in the industry really knew right. Chuck. Because he was, at that point, his career more behind the scenes than in front uh, of the mic. But if there is a Mount Rushmore of radio influencers, of people that created radio as we know it, Chuck is one of those four people that are up there. He's really literally that important. He and Gordon McGlendon and some of the other guys, you know, just incredible radio guys from back in the day. I obviously grew up, you know, in L.A. when we had KFWB and KHJ and, and in these monster 
um, top 40 stations. And, and boy, it was just, it was something. You just had to listen to Channel 98, KFWB, uh, <laughs> and, you know, Channel 98. It was, you know, now it's a Spanish language station. But, but Chuck was, was just unbelievably successful in the radio side of things. But then, you know, a quirk of fate, he has, to, he has to sit out a year and a half in L.A. and he doesn't know what to do. And one of the sales guys at KFWB calls him up and asks him to help him with an idea to sell a local Rambler dealer. And they come up with a, he comes up, Chuck does, with a great commercial concept, basically stealing the, you know, he paid a little bit of fee for it, but the old song by the Playmates called Beep Beep. And it was this novelty song from the late 50s. And he turned it into a Rambler commercial, and it becomes like the, the most, this, this, like the greatest commercial of the year uh, in U.S. and internationally. Just this complete fluke. So now he finds himself in the in the uh, in the in the radio commercial business. Back when radio commercials really were creative and really really worked, and you really really heard them, and he was great at that. He ends up becoming a partner with another writer here in L.A. who was actually a a sports information director at USC. And then he went into the PR business with Al Davis, uh, a guy by the name of Don Richmond. And Don Richmond and Al Davis were uh, were working on an account um, that was Baron Hilton. And Baron Hilton had, you know, Hilton Hotels, and he had an oil business, and he invested in this, invested in that. But he also had a, a credit card business called Carte Blanche. Remember Carte I do. Blanche? I do. It was one of the early yeah. credit cards. Along with Diners Club. And before MasterCard and Visa and Amex, it was Carte Blanche. And so when Baron Hilton bought this professional football team, this American Football League team for L.A., they needed to come up with a name. So Don Richmond comes up with the name The Chargers. It had nothing to do with the bolt of lightning or electricity. It had to do with charging on the Carte Blanche credit card. So, you know, if you were using your credit card, you were chargers. Anyway, so Don, he, he goes off and has a, a great career, including founding the uh, Seattle Supersonics, by the way. Uh, another side story, which we've talked about before. And he and Chuck, he, he just needs a place to write. Don Richmond needs a place to write. Because he's writing television series, and he's just doing all sorts of freelance stuff, plus he's doing these, you know, this PR work on the side. So he and So Chuck gives him a desk in the corner of his office, and these guys worked together for 22 years, creating some of the greatest creative campaigns and commercials that uh, you know we've ever seen. You know, I remember, I remember in the early 70s, mid 70s, I'd go over to their 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 office and pick up tapes, you know, commercial tapes on the you know the reel to reel tapes yep. in the box. Yeah, you'd have a stack and then of bring them it back front, the right. Yeah, you know, and I I just thought they were really fun guys, you know, and they were they did great commercials. I had no idea they were legends. Fast forward into the gosh, I don't know, early 90s. And, and I, think it, it was, I think it was Steve West and the committee that were putting on the Soundies in like 1990 or 91 or something like that. One of the first Soundies awards banquets in Seattle where the local radio association gave awards to people who produced great radio commercials, different style commercials. There were lots of different awards and so forth. And it was a big event at the Sheraton Hotel in downtown Seattle. And they got Chuck Bloor to be the MC host that night. And here's, you know, here's 500 radio people drunk on their butts, you know, in the banquet room there. And we're handing out these awards right and left. And Chuck was amazing. He was, I mean, the stories, the night went long. It didn't matter. He was absolutely brilliant. And it was just a, it was a real pleasure to actually go meet him there and shake his hand and thank him. What What a great creative guy. What an amazing radio guy. And in a time where, you know, there aren't many radio guys left. 
he was he definitely both on air and in radio commercials is a, is a, was a legend. Passed away last week at, at the age of gosh ninety two. You know he had a yeah, great run. And we're going he to did, and apparently uh, being in the radio business, being in the creative side of the radio business, is life-giving. So he, <laughs> he had a lot of longevity there with the radio. <laughs> Keith, a uh, quick shout-out to the folks at uh, Radio Inc. for their three-day seminar, Making Money on a Podcast. really was pretty interesting, although two days really would have been sufficient. And the takeaway that I came away with is this. We need a sugar daddy to fund us. <laughs> but or sugar oh, mama. I'm it's sugar daddy, sugar mama. Uh, anyway. Sugar, gender, anyway. sugar <laughs> gender neutral is just fine with us. Well, whether or not we have a sugar daddy or not, we'll be here again Thursday for more media insultant. It's uh, gone quickly as it always does. Keith, where can our audience uh, find our podcasts and video casts too? Yeah, video casts on YouTube if uh, if YouTube is behaving or we behave. I don't know. Um, so that's always a great place to see us. It's the only place to see us. A truly exciting but experience. Also, yeah, but just go to wherever you you uh, you download your audio podcast, whether it's on Apple or uh, Audible or or uh, iHeart or Spotify or anywhere where you go, and uh, you'll find us under Media Insultant. You know, it's ten to fifteen minutes of absolute brilliance. You know, a few nuggets, a few takeaways, maybe a little bit of a different look at the the news in media that you wouldn't get from the Happy Talk trade press. Absolutely. And we have a lot of... Because we don't have to suck up to anybody. Right. You know, we don't have to suck up to anybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if we have a sugar daddy, there's that's going to change our scenario. But we'll worry about that when we get there. <laughs> Keith, have a good week. I'll see you Thursday. You got it, Jackson. All the best.